John the Baptist is in jail in the reading we heard today. King Herod put him there because, well, he was speaking too close to Herod's heart, and he became really uncomfortable. Imagine being in jail as a great prophet. John wasn't arrogant by any means, but he was being very effective in terms of how he was calling people to the Lord. And then he's in jail, and he's been testifying to his cousin Jesus. But then we, we get this piece from the gospel that says he was wondering if Jesus was the one, the Messiah, or if there was another to come. And I, that kind of confused me, because I thought that John the Baptist kind of had it all together. But yet he sent his disciples to Jesus to ask him, are you the Messiah or not? And I got to thinking about that, and I don't have any definitive answer about why he was wondering, but I got to thinking about it, and I thought, you know, sometimes when you experience some challenges or difficulties in your life and you're put down, like John being put down in jail, that you start to wonder, have I been effective? Have I been, all that I've been about, has this all been worth it? And I don't know if that actually motivated John to send his disciples to ask the question of Jesus, but if, even if it did or didn't, I see John as making one of the last great prophetic acts by asking his disciples to go to Jesus and talk to him. He sent them to Jesus. And that's what a prophet does. He sent them to Jesus. And Jesus testified. He didn't say I was the Messiah in the, in the gospel, but he testified to it. He said, the lame walk, the deaf can hear, the blind can see, the dead are being raised, the lepers are being cured. That's the Messiah. And see, the prophet sent them, his disciples, to Jesus so they could hear the testimony from the one to whom the Baptist was testifying. And it was convincing testimony. And so further I started thinking about that. Okay, well, what does that have to do with any of us? How, how, do, we, how do we deal with a reading like that? And I thought, oh, 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 the Baptist, John, is still speaking today. And what he's doing is he is calling us to, inviting us to, directing us to the heart of Christ. And as we go there, we see that we can ask ourselves the question, have I, have you, have I taken Jesus to heart? How do I relate to him? Is he kind of on my periphery, a little bit on my radar? Is he okay? Is he good enough that I, I want to come to church like you guys are tonight? Or is he right here in my heart and growing in my heart? This is an invitation to take Jesus to the heart and deeply into your hearts. So what's the big deal about that? Well, you just think about the cross and the resurrection. If you don't receive Jesus, you're not going to receive the salvation that he offers you. It's essential. It's essential for our life. It's essential for heaven. So yeah, it makes sense that we take Jesus to our hearts. 
But here's, here's another thing. I got I'm kind of thinking ahead a little bit about Christmas and the joy of Christmas. And there's going to be people, family members and friends around your Christmas dinner table, great, around your Christmas tree, wonderful. But you know, there's going to be some folks, perhaps, perhaps, around your table or around your Christmas tree who've said, I'm not going to take Jesus to heart. In fact, remember way back the first Sunday of Advent, I was reflecting to you that the church is losing more members than members coming into the church. And there's lots of reasons for that. And, and I thought about some of the top reasons why people aren't taking Jesus to heart, especially our youth, some of whom may be around our Christmas table or around our Christmas tree. And they say this in, in these reputable polls. They say, well, it's that argument between faith and science. You can't reconcile faith and science. There's no way you can empirically, through experimentation, prove that God exists. And therefore, well, I can't, I can't accept that. Just can't do it. Even though any scientist can't prove why anything came to be without God. But still, there's that, that, that conflict between faith and science. And we, as a church, well, maybe we don't speak out about the conflict and help resolve that conflict. Others say, you know, I'm an atheist, and that's, I, I just can't believe in God because it can't prove God, or for other reasons too. And so I'll, maybe I'll be a good person, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to live by my own rules and by what I think is good without any kind of objective standard. God. And what would you say to a person like that? What would I say to a person like that? Maybe you've talked to people who are. Do we have the arguments to say, hey, take Jesus to heart? Then there are other people who say, you know what? Uh, Christians, they're just weak-minded people, or they're needy people. And that's why they get together and, and do what they do. I don't think that's a very nice thing to say, and I certainly wouldn't say that about you, but that's what people perceive us to be, is that we're weak and needy. And we have our needs, we have our hurts, we have our desires to be healed, yes, yes, we do. We have our ups and downs, we have our troubles, and we have our joys, yes, we do. But how would you want to answer that, that you're weak and needy? And lastly, you know, according to these polls, people leave the church, people leave Christianity because, well, Christianity is responsible for all the wars and the scandals and the conflicts, minus a few, that we've experienced in our history. You know, like the Inquisition, like the Crusades, and most recently, the clergy sexual abuse scandal. Now, there's some truth to that, that Christians have not done a good job all the time, that we are sinners. That's why we belong to the church, because we're sinners. But are we responsible for everything? Is everything the Christian's fault? And is it true that that's the only thing that Christians are? 
are warmongers and, 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 and sinners that just do terrible things to people? Does that account for the saints and those who have sacrificed and do today their reputations and their lives because they believe? Are they weak-minded? Are they led astray? I don't think so. But we can see, brothers and sisters, reasons why people don't take Jesus to heart. And one of the things that we're challenged to do, and we can do this, we can do this very effectively and very well, because we have the faith and tradition to do it, is to, in charity, address these objections. Address these questions. Because it's a matter of taking Jesus to heart. And we know, we know that we can speak to them. And in speaking to them, we invite them, as the Baptist did, to go and see Jesus, to take him to heart. There's one last thing, too, in terms of taking Jesus to heart that I want to suggest to you that you think about. And you think about, please, Jesus in terms of yourselves. In terms of yourselves. Now, think about, again, what Jesus did in the gospel. Literally, he raised people from the dead. He opened the eyes of the blind. He cured the deaf. He caused the lame to walk. And he, he cured leprosy. Okay? He literally did that. He still does that today. There are miracles like that that still happen. But also, we can take this spiritually. And this is where I want to invite you to look inside of your own lives, your, only, your own relationship with God, your spiritual lives. And I want you to look to see how Jesus has liberated you. And I trust that he has. And I trust that he's working with you. So, for example, how has Jesus opened your eyes so that you can see him, you can see his love, that you can ex experience him? Maybe there, there's, there's some, a, a period of ignorance that you went through, that, that you, were, you were down and out and, and, and you had some pretty bad thoughts, and, and here comes Jesus, and he opened the eyes of your blindness. Ah! He gave you insight. Or maybe your life wasn't going so well, you were lame, okay? Maybe your life wasn't going so well and you were, you were limping through life. And, and, and you, turned to, you turned to Jesus and, and he healed you. And I'm talking about spiritually now, that he healed you. Maybe he healed you through, through forgiveness. Maybe he healed you through the time, the first time that you came to realize that he loves you. He loves you. And you could stand up straight again. Maybe there was a situation that, of hardship, of, of, of a difficult relationship, of a job that was lost, whatever, whatever. Or you were in a bad relationship and, and you were really struggling. You were really suffering with that. And then Jesus touched your life in one way, shape, or form or another where, where you weren't struggling anymore. Because he, he spoke a word to you, maybe through others, 
He spoke a word to you that brought you new life, that he raised you from that what, what, what was dying in your life. Maybe, maybe you, when you really saw Jesus and maybe when you really had that, that firm intention to follow him, you saw the prophecy in Isaiah fulfilled that what once was a desert in your life is now a verdant orchard and forest where once you weren't growing, once where you weren't going anywhere, all of a sudden there's life in you because of Jesus. That whole sense of taking him to heart also includes how you have encountered the Messiah, how you have encountered the Christ. And it's good. It's wonderful. It's the Lord at work in your life, saving you. And that's not only worth celebrating, but telling people about. Because you've taken Jesus to heart, and he's dwelling there. And he's there, working with you. And you know of him in your life. Those two things, addressing those issues of our faith that become so criticized in the world, and speaking about Jesus at work in our lives. Those two ways are how we not only take Jesus to heart, but we respond to Jesus in our hearts and bring him to others. Just like the Baptist sent his disciples to Jesus so that Jesus himself would testify that he was the Messiah, the anointed Son of God. That's joyful news. And that's prophetic. Anytime you act in that way, you're being like a prophet too, testifying to Christ and leading others to him. That's something we're called to do, empowered to do by the Spirit, and something that we can celebrate as Christ entrusts the testimony about him as we speak from our very hearts.